Brother Aaron, if you bring that up. Give us some volume there, brother. You know, pain is a lonesome place. I don't have to tell you, do I? It'll drop a rock in your stomach right through your pounding heart. And when your knees are so weak, you hit the ground and you finally realize you don't got this. Well, now you might just make it. You see, the tallest tree may not weather the storm, but its roots do. So dig in, stand up, and let the wind blow. Because there's hope. So next week we want to talk about hope in the dark. Uh, sometimes life is rough, isn't it? And sometimes, as that, I love the illustration that's given there. Sometimes the top of the tree doesn't make it because the storm's really, really brutal. But when those roots are thick and they're deep and they're strong and holding strong, especially in the Lord, guess what? You'll weather that storm. So he says, stand up. I like that. Stand up. Get ready. Storms are blowing, but we're going to anchor in Jesus and we'll make it. So I want to talk about that for leading up into Thanksgiving season. And uh, our Thanksgiving praise service will be the uh, fourth uh, Sunday of, uh, I believe it's the fourth Sunday. Maybe it's the third Sunday of um, of November. It's going to be great. And uh, the last Sunday of the month is when we have the uh, Freedom House ladies uh, coming to share their testimonies. And it's always a special day when they're here. And uh, following our Thanksgiving praise service, where you're the sermon, I ask you, what are you thankful for? And you tell us. And then we have a carry-in lunch, and uh, it's always a special time. So big big November coming, and I uh, want you to be a part of it and uh, bring somebody with you to, to uh, enjoy it. All right? All right. Let's uh, hold up our Bibles or our electronic devices with your Bible on it and repeat after me. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn to your neighbor or those around you and just tell them you love them in Jesus. All right. We're going to finish our series in Galatians. I've enjoyed the short study with Galatians, and uh, uh, there's so much in the book, but I hope that you have um, uh, enjoyed it as well. And today we're going to be in chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 7 through 10. And uh, I'm going to use some differing translations today. I'm going to start in the message. I'll end up in the New King James and uh, I just can't quite go King James yet. Uh, Brother Don's about to win me over, but not, not quite yet. So I'm going to go to the new King James. And uh, at, least, at least Don doesn't carry the AKJV. Any of you aware of what the AKJV means? That's the authorized King James Version. Um, I've got a funny story I should tell you sometime, but I'll, I'll not burden you today with it. Um, Anybody have a good story they've heard this week? A funny story? 
Anybody? No? You're dependent on me? We're in trouble. Okay. I can't remember my name, much less stories. I got a chance to see uh, the new home that uh, Jeff and Misty and the kids live in in Webb City, Missouri. They're now Webb City Cardinals. And uh, I was trying to explain to Kelsey, my granddaughter, that when she gets to high school, it's it's kind of like Jinx. It's one of those football powerhouses in uh, in that division up in Missouri. And she goes, okay. And she's like, who cares? I thought, man, that's not my granddaughter. What's going on with her? But anyway. Uh, Jeff's about 10 minutes from his uh, office, uh, which is quite a contrast for him. Uh, living in Inola, working at the mall, he drove 80 miles a day. And uh, that gets old fast. So just grateful that they're there and, and uh, they're going to go visit a church today and start that process of finding a church home. And So pray for them as they do so. And uh, I meant to tell you a couple weeks ago, Mark found a full-time job uh, here in Tulsa. He works for St. Francis. Well, it's actually a valet parking company that contracts with the hospital. And uh, but Mark is one of the shift managers uh, at St. Francis. So if you go to St. Francis, see somebody, pull around to the back there by the Children's Hospital where the valet parking is, and let them park your car for you. It doesn't cost you a thing. It's free uh, to you, and uh, that way you can you can uh, get out freely and then go to the other side of the hospital to see whoever you're going to see but nevertheless Galatians chapter 6 let's look at verses 1 through 3 I'm going to be looking a reading from the message by Eugene Peterson Eugene Peterson wrote this or, or translated this uh, some years ago uh, it's a very easy read uh, from the Bible perspective helps people understand a little easier some of the uh, textual uh, things in the Bible. But uh, Eugene Peterson passed away just uh, about a week ago. And uh, I thought to honor him, we'd, we'd read from the message a little bit today. So beginning at verse 1, it says, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. I love that. Forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you're badly deceived. Verses 4 and 5. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. <laughs> Don't be impressed with yourself. That would be a good, good thing to... Uh, uh, Underline and highlight in your in your life. Don't compare yourself with others. Another good thought. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Seven and eight. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. Or what you plant, you sow. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth, work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. Verses 9 and 10. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. Oh, at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. 
Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. I saw last night on Facebook, um, one of our coaches, high school coaches here in Jinx, Justin Glenn, was baptized into Christ Saturday night at Life Church. I was so excited just to see that. Hey, for a guy that's 30 years old, he's about as crusty a guy as you'd want to be around. I mean, he's just an old crusty type kid, you know. Grew up out in Enid, Oklahoma, and uh, he, he carries that. Uh, in fact, when uh, they they played in the state championship Mark's senior year, Justin was a senior as well. I mean, that was a Mac Daddy-looking team. They looked like a pro team. They were huge. And how we beat them, I, don't, I think we just outran them, I guess, and tired them out. But... Um, it was just so exciting to see Justin. He said, I've made life's biggest decision. And that's true. It's true. His whole, his whole life's going to change now. His whole world's going to change. Why? Because he's going to embody what we just read about. He's going to go about doing good and helping others. Verse 1 starts out by saying to live creatively, looking for an opportunity to help or sow into your fellow man's life. Reserving comments of what you think for yourself instead of being critical of other people. That's hard, isn't it? I'm sure trying to improve that in my own life. I'm trying to remember every day what my mother used to tell me. If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Sometimes silence is the greatest tool you could use. And a little smile on the end. Doesn't hurt at all. We got up to uh, Web City yesterday, and my grandson, Braden, you'll appreciate this, was staring out the window at us, but he was in his Halloween costume, Spider-Man. Mask, whole regalia. And then went into the kitchen to get something to drink, and he's hanging upside down from the <laughs> counter. Uh, and I thought, well, okay, he's really taking hold of this thing. But we don't need to think bad about people. We need to find ways to build them up, to encourage them. Don't pay so much attention as to what other people are doing. Don't be a busybody. Pay attention to what God's given you to do. The Bible says if you think you're above that, then you're mistaking. You've got another thing coming. Sometimes our will gets in the way, doesn't it? What we want gets in the way. But God, you don't understand. Texas came into Stillwater last night thinking, we got this. And I thought Stillwater was going to help them get it. That's what they normally do. Get off to a great start, look like they're the team to beat, only to give it away. But somehow they kept it. I don't know if that quarterback got a touchdown that last one or not. That was pretty shaky. You've got this all-star running back back there. Why is the quarterback running the ball? Anyway, that's, that's for another message. But you see, our will is like a pressure switch. When it gets to be too much for us to handle, we activate our pressure switch and we shut it off and we shut down whatever we don't think we can do or we can handle. And it's so much more fun to look at someone else's life and their situation and give them advice. When we can't follow it ourselves. When it comes to the things that God has to offer, why would we ever want to limit the good things God has in store and planned for us? 
Every Christian knows the way because they've obtained the knowledge of the truth. It's drawn them to Christ. Everyone who knows the way has uh, has seed, uh, and, and, they, and they plant that seed, and they can share that seed. It's not up to us to determine what kind of harvest harvest will be reaped. That's God's responsibility. He knows the job very well. We just need to be about the business of getting it done. What's your preconceived idea of a harvest compared to God's idea? We all have the opportunity to plant the water. It's not up to each of us to decide what it's going to be. It's up to God. Don't waste opportunities. They come every day. They come your way every day. Don't waste them. Don't waste them. Be on the lookout. Say, God, I'm ready. I'm a vessel today. Here we go. Who can I bless today, God? Who can I bless? Who can I do a favor for? You can just sit back and wait, and that need's going to come right in front of you. When you start praying that kind of a prayer, God's going to bring them in front of you. He will. Over and over and over and over. Sometimes the soil won't always be prepared to receive the seed. Sometimes you may have to till up the soil a little bit before you can plant that seed. Sometimes you just may need to till the soil and someone else plant the seed. Sometimes you may be the one to water or provide the sunshine or shade at the right time. There's no level of preparation too great or small for the growing process. This morning I want to quickly look at three areas of understanding about the harvest that you need to know to reap a a good harvest. The first area of harvest is that, number one, you will always reap what you sow. You'll always reap what you sow. Harvest is the result of what you sow. The text says the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And he'll have to show for his life, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth and work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. I'm so excited to see Justin this week. I can't wait to hug him. He's a big old guy. I mean, he's thick. He's a big old thick guy. He can't hardly, he can't get his arms around you. They come out like this. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But I can't wait to give him what hug we can define as a hug and tell him how much I love him. And, and, and I sent him a note yesterday, last night on Facebook and I said, Welcome to the family. I said, Man, the journey begins. Here we go. Buckle down, brother, because here we run. It's going to be great. Who knows who that young man is going to be able to influence? He'll be able to influence hundreds of kids. Because, see, those students are going to notice too. They're going to see the change in him. His language, his demeanor, the way he carries himself. It's going to be exciting to watch. Sometimes, most times, it's difficult to deal with others the way that we want God to deal with us. But we've got to deal with others the way we want God to deal with us. In fact, God loves us extravagantly. Isn't that a great word? Extravagant. Webster defines it as spending too much <laughs> beyond what is reasonable. Also flamboyant, profusely or exaggeratedly decorated. Abundant, and here's the one I think is means for us. Abundant, existing or produced in quantity. 
That's what God has done. He's abundantly, extravagantly loved us and cares for us and provides for us. And that's how God wants us to do for others. Giving to the needy in reckless abandon. Helping those who can't help themselves. We finally got our King Foods process starting to work again. And so now we're going to be able to order boxes of food again for people. And we'll have them here at the church. I've had several requests. And I've had to tell them, sorry, we just don't have anything. But now we will. I'm excited, aren't you? I'm excited that they're back in in, in production. Uh, All that's available for November, however, is Thanksgiving boxes. But if you know somebody needs a Thanksgiving box, order it today. And we can pick it up next Saturday, I believe it is. No, 17th. November 17th. That's what it is. I'm getting way ahead of myself, aren't I? All right. I'm just excited. You ever tried to outgive God? How many of you tried to outgive God? None of you? An evangelist one time, he preached about obeying the voice of the Lord and giving a large, giving large to the kingdom of God. He would tell how he would test the Lord as Malachi instructs. And what does Malachi instruct? Chapter 3, verse 10, the new King James. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that uh, there may be food in my house and try... Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The evangelist would tell how he started small and with small things and how he would think about God's instructions and finally obey and how God would give back to him in in larger uh, portion than he had given. And as his relationship and trust grew, so did his response time. Until one day the Lord prompted him to give everything he had To give it away. So he did. Only this time he didn't wait and think about it. He just did what God told him to do. And his thinking was, Hey God, I got you this time. I'm giving you everything right now. Right now. I got you. (laughs) I'm going to win. Just when he thought he had him. Just when he thought. Somebody walks up to him. And you're you're not going to believe this. Gives him a jet plane. A jet airplane. And the... He, he thinks for a minute and he goes, huh, that's really an expensive airplane. I can fly it all over the world. I won't have to. I, but I'm going to have to pay for the gas. Huh. So the next thing he notices is this person that gave him the plane in the first place comes up and says, oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell you, I'm going to cover the maintenance of the plane. I'm going to provide the crew for you. And I'm going to take care of all the costs associated with the plane as well. So just when he thought, I got you, God, God said, you want to bet? <laughs> so I want to challenge you. When's the last time you put a, put a challenge out to God and said, God, I'm going to give you everything. Here you go. Let's see what you give me. When's the last time? Well, I've never done that. I don't know if I'll ever do that. Are you nuts? Are you absolutely lost your mind, preacher? You know, we're running a little bit of deficit here at the church. Wouldn't it be great if we had Thanksgiving Sunday on the, on the on Thanksgiving and praise service? What if we had bring it all to God? Bring it all to God. Challenge you to write your, your paycheck for that week. Sign it over to the church. Uh-oh. He slipped. Boy, something happened to him. He fell off that scooter, didn't he? Yeah. It drug him half a block. That'd be interesting to think about, wouldn't it? What do you think? I don't know. 
God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. So what kind of harvest do you want? Takes me up to point number two. The harvest is a process. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. Don and I were talking one day and I told him, I said, Don, I'm growing weary in well-doing. He says, you can't do that. (laughs) I said, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm telling you, I grow weary in well-doing. Sometimes you do get weary helping people. Amen? Where's you at? But never stop. Never stop. There's always one more that's going going to need a hand. Your harvest will not happen overnight. It will take time. Blessings come through understanding your harvest. Mark 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 26 to 32. Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is, this, is like seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. Seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happened. The earth does uh, it all without his help. First a green stem of grass, then a bud, then it ripened again. Uh, grain, and when the grain is fully formed, he reaps harvest time. Verses 30 and 32. How can we picture God's kingdom? What kind of story can we use? It's like a pine nut. When it lands on the ground, it's quite small as seeds go, yet once it's planted, it grows into a huge pine tree with thick branches, eagles nest in it. Harvest is not just an event, it's a process with many phases. When coaches coach athletes, It's rare to get one that has it all together. You gotta kinda train them, don't you? You gotta kinda, I mean, it's great if they've got some God-given talents built into them. But you still have to challenge those. And you still have to push those. And you have to stretch those. It's the same way with our walk with God. But what happens is, is we get complacent in our walk with God. We get satisfied with our walk with God and we're content to stay right here, right now, just like this. And God never intended us to stay there. Christianity is a living organism. Churches are a living organism. And they ought to be growing. They ought to be expanding. They ought to be doing those things. So how are we doing? How are we doing in that way? What's the, what's the process that we're going through? See, we've got to start expanding our expectation. Proverbs 4 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your ears. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. Health to all their flesh. Keep their heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Harvest is a process. Isaiah 54, 2, enlarge the size of your tent. Let your tent curtains be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive the pegs deep. New Living Translation says of that verse, enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Seems like that's what happens at Thanksgiving time, isn't it? We burst at the, th- at the seams in more ways than one. Takes me to number three. Harvest time is a season. It's a season. A harvest of blessing at the appropriate time or due season. In the Greek, there's two words to define time. Chronos, and it's a word from which we get the word chronological, normal, general time. And then there's kairos. 
And it means a fixed and a definite time, an opportune or a seasonable time, a right time, a limited period of time. Jesus cried over Jerusalem as He entered because their lack of understanding of the season caused them to miss their day of visitation. The Lord Himself wanted to come to them, but they missed it. They missed it. All around us are hurting people who need our love and encouragement. Don't miss the miracle of the right now moment. Don't miss it. God sends your way these opportunities. Don't. You're going to sow into their life. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And don't mess it up. When it comes, take advantage of it. Heard a story about a young boy that lived in the inner city. He was about eight years old and was very poor. And one cold day, he was looking in the window of a local store admiring a pair of tennis shoes. As he stood there cold and barefooted, a lady came along and said, Young man, what are you doing staring so intently into that window? He said, Well, I was just sort of praying and asking God if He'd give me a new pair of tennis shoes. Without hesitation. Without hesitation, the lady took him into the store, very gently, lovingly washed off his cold, dirty feet, put a brand new pair of socks on his feet, and she told him to pick out three pair, new pair of tennis shoes. The boy couldn't believe it. He was so excited he had never owned a new pair of shoes. He always just wore old hand-me-downs. And after she had paid for the purchase, the woman handed the shoes to the child. Enjoy your shoes, son, she said. The little boy looked at her in amazement. Nobody had ever taken that kind of interest in him. And as serious as he could, with tears running down his cheeks, he looked at her and he said, Lady, lady, can I ask you a question? Are you God's wife? We should do everything as unto God. Amen? The opportunities abound if we'll just open our eyes and see them. Throw all caution to the wind. Experience God's extravagance and share God's extravagance. A young woman in England many years ago always wore a golden locket that she would not allow anyone to open or look into. And everyone thought there must be some romantic connection uh, with that locket and that in that locket must be the picture of the one that she loved. The young woman died at an early age and after her death the locket was opened. Everyone wondered whose face they would find in that locket. And what they found in the locket was simply a little slip of paper with these words. Whom having not seen, I love. Her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was the only lover she knew and the only lover that she longed for. Where are you today? How deep... How deep do you want to go in that relationship with God? Are you satisfied? Are you dissatisfied where you are? Maybe you're here today and you need to name Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Never done that before. Today would be a great day. We can open the Scripture. We can study with you. We can help you understand what that decision means. Maybe you need to join a church. Maybe you want to be a part of this church. We'd love to have you. We are the most imperfect group of people I've ever met in my life. Right here. Starting with the preacher. Work your way down. We're all imperfect. But guess what? We're all forgiven. And we've got the love of Christ flowing through us. And we're going to try to love you the way Jesus loves you. But maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're just struggling with life itself. And you just don't know what you... If you can take another step. Won't you come and let us pray for you? Because we will. We will. If there's a decision that you need to make, would you today? 
We're going to stand and sing a great song of faith, just as I am. And following that song, uh, we'll end our service. But we want to ask you to stand as we sing. And if God is tugging on your heart to make a decision, would you this morning uh, as we sing this?